Christmas ease that through cover. That will be 50 for Steve Smith. Might be four. It's a nicely controlled innings. Started off quickly, and now he's found his pace and another 50 in Test match cricket. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, and we've just watched day one here at Lords. It's the second Ashes Test of 2023. Australia, well, they were up against it at the start, but have finished day one in a pretty good position. My name is Josh Shonafinger, and I'm joined, as always, by Louis Cameron. Louis, what did you make of the first day here at Lords? I mean, you're spot on. Australia would be really happy with finishing at five for 339 at the end of a day where they got sent in on a really green-looking wicket. Uh, and England, you you would think, would be pretty disappointed that they've coughed up, you know, nearly 350 runs in a day, um, having decided to bowl first. Having said that, Australia probably could be in an even better position if they hadn't thrown two almost needless wickets, you might say, uh, there at the end to Joe Root. So, yeah, I mean, England would be buoyed by what they did uh, later in the in, in the day and the fact that they have such a good record chasing on English pitches, you know, with their baseball style might mean that they're not too upset. Let's run through the scores for those who didn't catch all the action last night. It was England who won the toss. Ben Stokes, he was very happy to bowl first, in fact. And with four quicks, a green pitch and lots of overheads, he was uh, given an easy choice in the end. But despite a few early plays and misses, Usman Khwaja and David Warner did a super job of nullifying the England attack. In the final over before lunch, Khwaja left a ball from Josh Tung that bowled him for 17, and Warner suffered a similar fate after the break. A vicious inswinger bowled him through the gate for 66. Manus Labashain and Steve Smith combined for a century stand, as did Smith and Travis Head, who had a run rate rattling along at six and over during their stand. Number one spinner Joe Root then struck twice in the 75th over, first Head for 77 and then Cameron Green for a duck to slightly change the outlook, but Smith and Alex Carey got Australia to stumps at five for 339, with Smith not out on 85 and staring down the barrel of potentially his 32nd test century. Yeah, I mean, Travis Head was kind of the one we who would have got the most attention. David Warner was the guy who made his first 50 in quite a long time in England. But again, it's Steve Smith looking like the, the Steve Smith, dare I say it, of four years ago. He's moving so far across his stumps. It reminds me, I think that's what reminds us all about uh, 2019 when he just basically dared England to bowl at his stumps. Uh, and they, they tried a lot today and it just didn't work. And he just looked, I mean, it was a chanceless hand today. And you're right, he's closing in on that that 32nd test century which um, would be a hell of an achievement and uh, and deserve it for him. It was a really exciting start to his um, innings wasn't it? He 24 runs of his first 15 deliveries and he came out with serious intent and then he was given out on 24 of Stuart Broad but immediately reviewed it and on replay we saw that uh, there was clear daylight between bat and ball. From that point on he didn't look back and as he, as we said he went he, his scoring rate did slow down but with Travis Head at the other end you don't need to score super quickly do you? Finished on 85 not out and that's his 69th score of 50 plus in tests as well. Yeah, and it felt a lot like the World Test Championship final, didn't it? When you had Smith and and Head at the crease together, you're right. 24 off his first 15 balls for Smith was kind of you know really quick for him. It was he he looked up and about. He looked like he really wanted to get after England, uh, and then really slowed right down. They probably bowled a little bit better, but the fact that it took him 102 balls to get to his 50 suggests that uh, you know he he took the foot off the brake off the gas a little bit. The fact that he had Tra- Travis Head just do what he did. I mean, let's let's start with him. It was ridiculous the the hitting that we saw from him. It's not there's not a whole lot that goes in the air with him. Like he, I think he cleared the the square leg fence at one point when they did go short to him, which happened quite late. I should point out, quite like the the World Test Championship final again. 
Um, but it was eight boundaries in his first 41 balls, 11 in his first 53 balls. He brought up his 50 off just 48 deliveries. He'd only batted for a minute and he'd already uh, – he'd only batted for an hour, uh, just over an hour, 65 minutes, and he'd already scored his 50. So it was a game-changing hand. Just when you felt like everything was going Australia's way, he kind of threw it away with – You'd call it a reckless shot off off route. It looked like it was a bit of a plan. I think he, he pointed to maybe Jimmy Anderson at mid-off after it, suggesting that uh, there was something they concocted and just that wider, slower ball uh, that got a little bit of turn uh, to get him out. But, I mean, he'd done the damage by that point, hadn't he? Yeah, he had a boundary. So you said 55 balls, 11 boundaries. That's not, Those sort of numbers would be enviable in the big bash, let alone in test cricket, a boundary every five balls. So that's that's superb going from head, isn't it? And it's just the way he's playing. I mean, he's just transformed that Australian middle order. Like we know Marnus Labuschagne has been a really bankable player, uh, you know, a, a good start for him today, just falling short of 50. Uh, and we know Steve Smith at number four, what he's been like. They've got two pretty solid openers in there. But that number five spot is probably the one they've just not struggled to field. You've had Matthew Wade there for, um, you know, going back to the 2019 Ashes. But probably before that, it was one that they'd struggled to fill a little bit. I mean, Usman Khawaja batted, batted there as well, of course, when he first came back into the team. So he's just he's just doing it in a, in a really exciting way at the moment. But another good stat for you. Smith was 41 when Travis Head walked to the crease and he'd overtaken him by the time he was out on 77. In that Smith-Head partnership, uh, they went at six runs and over 118 in 20 overs. And their partnership, Smith and Head, so we know Smith and Manus have a great combination or a great record when they combine. They averaged 75 in the last year together. But Smith and Head, in, in their last six partnerships in Test cricket, they're averaging 120 together. So that's incredible combination from Australia's number four and number five. Yeah, and I think it's fire and ice like we were saying before and I think Smith seems to really enjoy it. He kind of likes just going at his own tempo and I think sometimes he feels the responsibility of maybe having to score a little bit quicker um, which can occasionally, you know, in the last couple of years can can lead to his downfall. So um, he's almost the perfect partner for, for Smith in, in this iteration of Smith that we've got at the moment. Time for our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. Lots of good moments for Australia today. Louis, what have you settled on for your moment of the day? I love when batters or spinners or wicket keepers, you know, the people who aren't necessarily uh, credited with being the, the angry people in the team, just show a little bit of aggro. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't have said it was aggro from Joe Root in this moment, but he just did show that little bit of aggression when he, he bowled a bounce at it to, to Manus Labuschagne, which um, is not expected when you got the keeper standing up. Johnny Bairstow seemed to take it pretty well, so I'm not sure if he'd worded him up. But... But on a serious note, uh, I think if you told England at the start of the day that they'd get two wickets out of their part-time off-spinner when they win the toss, elect a bowl with four seamers in their attack, they would have been pretty happy. I mean, we talked about the the wicket that he got to with Travis Head, slower and wider, uh, and just taking a bit of turn outside off. The ball to Cameron Green then, uh, you know, two bills later, it was, it was a little bit short. It wasn't particularly anything special. Just cramped Cameron Green up for room, and it was a strange shot for a guy who's just gotten to the crease. He hasn't really gotten going in this series yet. Uh, he kind of, you can tell he's he's a nervous starter. He's he's always uh, kind of jumping a little bit uh, between deliveries and trying to you know get himself up and about. But uh, you know t- to play that shot straight away was um you know it it just seemed a bit of a, out of character for him. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he adapts um, into this series. The speed gun also registered that bouncer is 121 kilometers an hour. So I think Joe Root will be pretty happy with that. And he's also taken home the moment of the day. Brought to you by Qantas. So England had four quick bowlers. We they, we knew that a few days out from the match. What did you make 
of how that plan played out. Obviously, they won the toss. They got what they wanted. They sent Australia in. Four quicks, though, did it work? Five quicks. When you have Ben Stokes in there, um, you never know exactly what you're going to get. I think we just saw, I'm just having a look at the scorecard, just the three overs from from him today, only the eight overs from Joe Root. So there were five overs down on their overrate by the end of the day. So that's, you know, that's one concern from a World Test Championship final point of view. We know Australia have already missed uh, the first iteration of the World Test Championship final because of a slow overrate. Both these teams were docked points after the, the first test. So that's not nothing. That's a consideration that they've got to have. Um, yeah, it did feel like there was a bit of a, a lack of variety. I, I was kind of disappointed. I, Stuart Broad bowled some excellent balls. Ollie Robinson bowled some excellent balls. They also bowled a lot of really bad ones. Um, and Josh Tung, in the role that they are saying he's playing, they're kind of saying he's a like-for-like like for Mark Wood. That They would have liked to have played Wood, but he, he's not quite fit enough to do it. So you kind of go, well, if he's going to go at four and a half and over, nearly five and over, uh, you kind of accept that if he's going to be a bit more attacking. But uh, to see, look at that scorecard and see Broad's gone at four and over, that Robinson's gone at four and over, that's, I don't think that's really what England would have wanted. Um, you know, they, they talk about being really aggressive, but those weren't, there weren't fours being scored if they're bowling that were, um, you know, because they had no cover. They were half volleys and, and long hops. So I reckon overall they'd be a little bit disappointed with how some of their senior guys uh, did go today. Jimmy Anderson, I thought, was really impressive. He hasn't taken many wickets in this series, but, uh, and, you know, maybe he's just lost a touch of zip than, than what he used to, which you could forgive him for. He's, he's almost 41. Um, but he, he doesn't miss his mark too often and he, he doesn't go for, he doesn't leak too many runs. So, um, yeah, slightly disappointing, I, I reckon, for England. Not, yeah, it's not the fact that they played four right arm um, seamers. That can work on a, on a seeming wicket. Uh, it's more just a, the execution, I think. Unlike last week at Edgebaster, we actually saw quite a bit of sideways movement today. And as you said, maybe the English bowls were a little bit unlucky at times. But Josh Tung, in that spell where he got Kawadra and then after the break, he got Warner. He was getting the ball to swing you know, into the left-handers. What did you make of him? Is that the first time you've seen him test cricket? It was, yeah. I mean, it was. I saw a little bit in, in the Ireland game that he he played uh, earlier this month. Interesting, his first two tests that both come at Lords. I'm not sure how many people could could say they've done that. Um, I thought he was really impressive. I thought he was a pick of their bowlers today. I mean, the fact that he got Kawaja out uh, was something that England couldn't do at, at Edgbaston, right? Um, and then the the over that he got, or well, the two balls that he bowled to Warner, the the one immediately before the wicket was this beautiful in swinger from around the wicket. That, um, that had a bit of a, a plan behind it. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll throw to a, a grab from Josh Tung in the press conference uh, in a second. But uh, he then, so he, he kind of got Warner's inside edge. It went to the boundary, very unlucky. Uh, but then the very next ball, he just pitched up a little bit further, got that in-swinger. Uh, and it was a bit of a plan to, to work with the Lord's slope. Let's hear what Josh Tung had to say about it. Um, I actually spoke to Robbo just before lunch, um, trying to use the slope a bit more because I was trying to wobble away from the bat. Um, and he said, why don't you try and get the ball coming back into him? Um, and obviously getting Kawaja just before lunch was crucial. Um, and obviously I'm trying to do the same to, to David. Um, obviously it was a very, very hard batter to bowl. Like if you miss your length, um, you were going to go to the boundary. That's what I felt anyway. But to get that wicket was a very good time for the team. And so a lot of credit has to go to Australia's openers who got through that really tough opening spell after being sent in. Kawaja got through 70 balls. He only got 17 runs, but sort of did his job as an opener. And David Warner at the other end got 66 off 88 balls. He looked pretty sharp, to be honest, didn't he? We saw some signs in the World Test Championship final and then in the second innings at Edgebaston, but today he looked really sharp. You're right. And he still hasn't had the knockout innings. We, we saw the 40-odd the in the World Test Championship final, the 36 in the 
first Ashes test. But, I mean, this was a, a big moment for him, I suppose, in terms of that first half century in, in or passing 50 for the first time in 10 innings in England. Uh, I think he's only passed 50 now twice in his last 19 innings. The other time was the double century oh, against really? South oh, Africa. Yeah. So it's been a lean spell for Dave in between some – uh, you know, that that one really big score. Um, but he is looking good. He's not quite maybe as sharp as what he was uh, four or five years ago, but um, he's getting into the contest. He's moving well. He thinks he's moving well. Uh, he looks more solid against Stuart Broad this time. He's got a real plan for um, his around the wicket angle and, and all the, the right arm seam is, you know, targeting from around the wicket. We saw him get down on one knee very early on to Broad and, and play a sweep. He tried it against Ollie Robinson later as well. So clear sign that he's trying something just a little bit different to throw England off their game. And England had an injury issue throughout the day. The number three, Ollie Pope, went off with a shoulder injury about halfway through the day and we didn't see him again. Uh, do we have any update on Pope? No update yet. We've just been told that he's just icing the shoulder. It's not a great sign when you kind of don't get you know any further updates from there. So I'd be a little bit worried. It is a shoulder that he's dislocated before. So, uh, you know, that would be a concern for him in England. It was interesting that he did it. He was kind of diving to his left. So I haven't seen a, a proper replay of it yet, Josh, but he was diving to his left, but somehow it hurt his, his right shoulder. So that's a concern. It's also just a concern in general for England how, you know, they're physically they're, they're kind of going. We know uh, when you look at Ben Stokes, they're, they're leading around and their captain can't really bowl at, at full tilt because of that knee. You've already got their two main spinners out of this test, you know, spinners of all people with an injury. Um, J Jack Leach and Moeen Ali, you know, wasn't probably wasn't up to it for this test. They got their three fastest bowlers in Mark Wood, who was close to, to playing this game, but uh, they didn't think could finish the game. Joffre Archer isn't available. Ollie Stone isn't available, um, and and Jimmy Anderson even looked, you know, a little bit um, like he might have been holding his calf at different points today. Um, I, I'm sure he'll be okay to continue, but. It's a mounting kind of thing for them. And now you add Oldie Pope on top of it. Um, they, they have quite a lot of concerns when you compare them to Australia, who don't seem to have, you know, uh, have too much to worry about. Although David Warner was talking about um, having a hand that was a little bit sore at the press conference today. So, um, yeah, one to, um, one to monitor, but uh, Australia are winning on the injury front, uh, I suppose. Thanks for tuning into this edition of the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia, and we'll catch you all tomorrow.